Hi friends and welcome to the God is in the Minute podcast where Anna and Amy will take you through the Bible in one year. We will also have pop-up episodes to share what God is doing in our lives as well as those around us. Grab a buddy, grab your Bible, and grab a heart for the Lord to change you. We are so grateful to have you on this journey with us. Find us on social media at God is in the Minute. Thank you for joining us. Hey, friends, and I cannot believe it's already week three. Oh, my gosh. I know. I am so excited. I hope everybody's sticking to it, focusing. If you're falling behind, get right back on track. It's a good time to do it. Because, you know, New Year's resolutions have kind of come and gone now. And so you feel like the busyness of life happens again, you know, like about this time, like week three, right, Anna? Like it's like week three, you kind of get back in the groove and then it's like, oh, forgetting to do what you said you were going to do. And I think it's just a promise to yourself. So if you've fallen behind, we want to keep you up to up to date, but um, definitely kind of jump in if you've fallen behind and just jump in where you are, because I guess you're never really behind, right? Because we're going to keep them up to date, but just jump in where you are. So yeah, just make sure you stick with it. This is all for yourself. This isn't for anybody but yourself. Absolutely. So we are reading Genesis 36 through 50 and Matthew 12 through 15. And then a Matthew today is a little broken up. So we don't do the whole book of chapter 15. And also, can you believe we already finished one book of the Bible together? That's crazy, right? We're going to finish Genesis today, right? It's crazy. All right. So Anna's going to jump in with our prayer and then just start in Genesis today. Lord, we thank you for being with us right now. We worship you, Jesus. There's no one like you. Lord, I pray that you would breathe your spirit on this word today and that it would become alive. I pray that you would give us ears to hear hearts to receive, and minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So we say, fear, you have to go. Jezebel, you have to go. Go with your witchcraft, your anxiety, your confusion, your desperation. We say, Holy Spirit, come rule and reign in this place. Father, I thank you that no one came to hear us. They all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I am starting us off in Genesis this week. Amy and I are flipping back and forth every other week, Old and New Testament. So we are starting off in Genesis 36, which kind of tracks from last week, the kind of the tail end of last week. It's kind of about Esau's family And there's some genealogy and things like that there. So I encourage you to go and read that. I want to put that plug in here because we spend a lot of time in the Old Testament and you're going to read through a lot of genealogy. And believe me, we have all just skipped right over it. We're all guilty. But I want to encourage you to read through or even listen through those names if you're listening instead of reading because... God is going to speak to you. God is in every single detail. If we pull anything from chapter 36, it should be that he is in the details. And God put these names and this lineage in here for a reason. So pray and ask God, what can you reveal to me through this? And read through it slowly or listen through it and see what God shows you. So moving on to chapter 37, I am really, really excited about this. 
we are going to be talking about Joseph. I'm actually so excited. Amy's going to laugh. I could (laughs) not go to sleep last night after studying this. I was so pumped up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was so fulfilled and just so full. I don't think I fell asleep till like one in the morning because (laughs) I was just like lit up after reading it and just studying through it before we recorded this morning. So it is, it, 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 we talked about that yesterday too, how we're just feeling when we're, we're just feeling so fulfilled and sharing this and our, it's just, we want to light that fire with ever for everybody else. I think that's, I mean, I, I feel it. We both are feeling this, this fire where, you know, we're like, We don't want to bite off too much, you know, when we're, when we're talking through it, because it's already just so fulfilling. It's like almost physically exhausting because your body's just like a high adrenaline, like the whole time. It's crazy. It just feels so good. It is. It is crazy. Um, I love the book of Joseph. Mm -hmm. I feel not the book. I love the story of Joseph and I feel like I relate to Joseph so much, but honestly, don't we all in some way, like Mm -hmm. looking through his life again, we always say this, listen to us, but please go and read Joseph's story for your own, because I can guarantee you, God is going to highlight so much to you. I just, you don't want to miss this. Nothing is more important than missing what God has for you and missing his will. So to get started, In chapter 37, now enters Joseph. I feel like I can relate to his story so much. And one of my favorite things about his story, God, it's so evident that he is in every detail, in every millisecond, there is purpose in his pain. You know, Joseph goes from the pit to the palace. But what I love about his story is that we get to see all the little tiny details from the pit to the palace, the ups and the downs, the pains that he walked through. This isn't just some highlight reel where he gets in a bad spot and then God exalts him and all is great because that's not how our life works. When we're in a pit, most of the time, we don't blink and find ourselves in a palace. We go through ups and downs and highs and lows and trials and tribulations before we get to where God's called us to. So starting in 37... We see that Joseph is going to find God faithful in so, so many circumstances. The story starts off and Joseph is just 17 years old. He's tending sheep with his brothers. So we all know at 17 years old how immature we were, things we've done. We can all have (laughs) moments at that age that we regret. Um, So he's tending sheep with his brothers at this age. And Joseph was favored by his father. And this made his brothers super jealous of him. So last week when Amy ended her Genesis notes, I put a plug in there about jealousy, uh, Sarah's jealousy in Genesis and how it possesses us to do evil things. Well, in this chapter 37, verse four says, when the brothers saw their father loved Joseph more than them, they hated him. It uses the word hated. They were so jealous They hated him. This spirit of jealousy possessed them to despise him, which then possessed them to do very evil things. So that's verse four. Immediately after in verse five, Joseph has a dream. I love how God works. 
God tells us that his brothers hated him and were jealous because he was the favorite. The very next verse, God tells us he gave Joseph a dream, a prophetic dream. God met Joseph in a painful place, in a place of rejection. Now, yes, Joseph was favored by his father, and that's great. But he was also in a painful place because he knew his brothers hated him. His own flesh and blood hated him because his father loved him more. That's dysfunctional. We all have dysfunctional families, right? That's dysfunctional. That's a high level of dysfunction right there. Um, So Joseph is in this painful place because he knows that his brother's hate him. And that's a tough place to be in. So God meets him and puts this dream in his heart, which is so exciting. But Joseph's 17 years old. He's young. He's immature, probably a little bit prideful. He had a lot of growing up to do. He needed to gain a lot of wisdom before this dream could be fulfilled. And God knew this, but God placed the dream in his heart anyway. God loves us so much. He gives us a provision sometimes to look forward to, but we get so distracted by the things of life and by the enemy. We can't focus on it all the time. And you know, our word for this year, we're stewarding together is focus, focus, focus. So it was very immature of Joseph to run and tell his brothers who he knew hated him, that he had a dream where they were going to bow down to him. That was immature and probably got some pride going on in his heart there. Um, This was very foolish and he should have absolutely expected retaliation, but God knew that Joseph would do this. This was all part of God's plan. The scriptures go on to say his brothers hated him even more because of this dream. They felt like Joseph was being prideful towards them. Then Joseph has another dream. And in this one, The sun, the moon, and the stars were bowing down to him, not just his family. He also told his father and brothers about this dream. You think that he would have learned the first time? None of us do, right? So they rebuked him, of course. Verse 11 says flat out that his brothers were very jealous of him. So what did this evil jealousy possess them to do? They sold Joseph into slavery, faked his death, lied to their father, this is what jealousy does. You might be hearing this and saying, well, you know, that's, that's kind of extreme. I'm telling you that it's not. Jealousy needs to be dealt with in your heart immediately and removed before whatever else. This is important. Jealousy, getting this out of your heart needs to be first priority. And on the flip side, last week I talked about stepping away from jealous people because it's not good to have them in your life. Today, I want to mention the importance of watching your mouth around jealous people. Joseph made a foolish decision and didn't watch his mouth. He said too much. There are some jealous people that we cannot separate ourselves from. It might You might work with someone that's really jealous or you know, live with whatever. There might be someone in your life that you just can't step back too far from for certain circumstances. So if that's the case, you need to be very careful what you're saying around and to that person. You need to just speak less. That's honestly just wisdom for all of us. When we read through, I love the book of Proverbs. So many verses tell us a fool speaks too much, speak less. Actually, One of my favorite quotes, I can't remember who said it, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. I don't have it in front of me. That's why. But it says, God has given us two eyes so we may see much, two ears so we may hear much, and one mouth 
fenced in by teeth so that although we see and hear much, we should speak little. And the Bible says that, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue and how your tongue cannot be tamed and in all different scriptures. So it's wise for us to speak less anyways. Some people who I'm a really friendly person and I'm someone who talks to anybody. I can talk a lot about anything. So something that I like to work on is to speak less and listen more, because for me, that's something that I need to grow in and work on. And I think that's wise for all of us. So especially around jealous people, um, you might just be really excited about something happening in your life. And, you know, you want to tell someone, but if someone's jealous of you might be wise not to, it might be Best to use wisdom there because they might use that for your evil. They might turn that on you. And that has happened to me a couple times and it's really painful. So watch what you say. Speak less around jealous people. Um, the more we say, we're really only encouraging them to do evil. To, they're possessed by this jealous spirit. So it's wise to speak less. Okay. So... Moving on in the story of Joseph, this, um, we're going to jump to 39. Chapter 39 talks about Joseph and slavery. He was brought to Egypt and placed in slavery. So right away in verse two, it says the Lord was with Joseph. And this is something we see all throughout the story of Joseph. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And this is how I feel through my life. And I'm sure you guys can all relate through the ups and the downs. The Lord has been with me, whether I feel him or not, no matter how painful what I'm going through is, I know that the Lord is with me. And I know that there is purpose in any kind of pain. So God immediately lets us know he was with Joseph. He also says that Joseph became successful in slavery. The first three days um, when his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph, he made, and he also saw that the Lord made everything Joseph did successful and all of those things. Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. So his master, Pharaoh, is seeing that Joseph is being favored by God. And he immediately is like, oh, I want you high up on my team. Pharaoh sees the Lord's favor on Joseph's life. Okay, I want you to take note of this. So the, um, the Lord's blessing and favor was on Joseph in slavery. And it's on us in our hard times too. You might not see it or feel it, but let me tell you something. The enemy sees it and he wants to stop you from what God has called you from. He wants you to be negative and bitter and angry and all of those things. That is where we have to take our thoughts captive and focus and remember the promises that God has given us. Remember the promises in the word of God, and we have to stand firm on them. We cannot waver. We cannot be blown by the wind of the enemy. Before God is going to let us bring us to where he's called us, he's going to have to know that we're going to stand firm, that our faith is going to be strong. So we might be going through some pits in order to be strengthened. So although this time was probably very painful for Joseph, God knew he needed it before he could be exalted. We've all been there, but God knows. And there's purpose in this pain. We need certain seasons of life to be hard. 
in order to be prepared for what God is calling us to do. No matter the season of life you're in, the Lord is with you and he's favoring you for your obedience. It's kind of like if someone was training to run a marathon, even if they were someone who was in really great shape and ran sometimes, they could not go and run a marathon right away. They would have lots of hard, painful, long runs in order to get there. We are training for marathons in our life, friends. And in order to be able to run this race and run it well, we're going to go through some hard runs. We're going to go through some pits. That's just life. It's full of ups and downs. So we need to learn how to worship in the pits because that builds our character. That makes us who we are. So later in this chapter, the master's wife tries to get Joseph to sleep with her, but he absolutely refuses. He actually acts offended that she would ask him to sin against God. So this shows us a little bit about Joseph's heart posture. It shows us his character. But one day she trapped him, but he escaped. But she lied to her husband and said that he trapped her. So this terrible thing happens to Joseph. He's been faithful to the Lord. He's been faithful to his master. And this big lie about him happens. And now he's thrown into jail. So it just got so much worse. Imagine the state of mind he must have been in. Imagine the state of mind you would have been in. I know I would have been like, are you kidding me? Like, this is ridiculous. Well, verse 21 says, here we go again. The Lord was with Joseph in prison and extended kindness to him and gave him favor with the prison warden. Joseph was exalted into a position of authority in prison. Although he was in a very hard and confusing time in his life, God never left him. God continued to provide and be right next to him. And he does the same for us. Sometimes we are in seasons of life and we're like, it can't get much worse. And then it does. And then he then creeps the enemy with those thoughts in your mind of anger, bitterness, depression, all of those things. And that is where you have to take those thoughts captive and you have to kick them out. My dad said something to me really good one time when I was going through a difficult time in my life. My dad said, Anna, you can either let the walls collapse on you and close in and suffocate you, or you can get up and kick them down. And that hit me so hard. And I thought, you know what? He's right. It's time to get up and kick these walls down. These thoughts that are coming into my mind, get out, get behind me, Satan. You are not stopping me or hindering me from what God has for me. Okay. Jumping to Genesis 40. Joseph is still in jail and two of the people he's in jail with, they have dreams and Joseph is able to interpret them, but he says, don't interpretations belong to God. So he's in prison He's in this lowly place, yet he's still giving God the glory. How beautiful is that? So he asks them to tell him his dreams. Um, They give them to him. He interprets them, of course, through God's revelation to him. So God told Joseph the meaning of his dreams. They're dreams for a reason. And Joseph asked these men, he said, when you get out, don't forget me. But guess what? They did. In chapter 41, these men get out. Chapter 41 says, two years have gone by. Joseph's still in jail and he's forgotten. He's probably had a lot of time to get with the Lord in this time. And while it might seem like a painful thing, why am I here? 
Maybe God needed him to be there. Maybe God needed to draw Joseph in where he had no choice and nothing to do but to lean on God with everything he had. So two years go by, Joseph is forgotten until Pharaoh has a dream and the cupbearer remembers Joseph. When Pharaoh asked Joseph to interpret the dream, Joseph said, I am not able to, but God will give you a favorable answer. So again, all this time in jail, Joseph's still giving God all the glory. Um, so then Pharaoh tells Joseph about the dream. God gives Joseph an interpretation. And he shares it with Pharaoh. And you see, God, Joseph is still giving God all of the glory two years later after he's been forgotten. I'm so humbled. So because Joseph was able to give an interpretation, Pharaoh exalted him high up in the kingdom, as high as he could go. Joseph is now 30 years old. He's been in slavery 13 years. God begins to use him together and store food in the land because a famine was coming. See, God has orchestrated every ounce of this from him being thrown in jail to interpreting the dream to now being exalted as high up as he could go in the kingdom so he can organize and store food for a famine that's coming. If you don't believe that God is in the details in the milliseconds by now, you've got to go read this story. It's so amazing. Jumping to Genesis 42, Joseph, Joseph's brothers come to buy grain from him. Okay. Are you hearing this? His dream is starting to be fulfilled. Joseph is in a very high place of power. His brothers have to come and bow down to him in order to buy this grain to him. Joseph immediately recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. Several years later, the fulfillment of this dream is now happening. Can you imagine what Joseph is thinking and feeling? So a lot of the time, we have to wait on God's plan because God has a lot of work to do in our heart before we're ready to receive it. I think we can make the process quicker by seeking God more and obeying, or we can be like the Israelites and wander in the wilderness in our sinful ways. But if we're really trying and really seeking God, I do believe that this season will be shortened, but we're still going to have to wait. That's life in general, but especially the Christian walk. We're always waiting on something. That's just how it goes. But waiting builds us up. It's how you wait that is so incredibly crucial. It's how you wait on what you're praying for or the dream that God has placed in your heart. So I'm going to summarize chapters 43 through 50, kind of... Um, a little bit short for the sake of time, but I highly encourage you to go and read all of these chapters for yourself and soak in this goodness. So Joseph's dream is fulfilled. He's in a higher place of authority than his whole family. Technically, they have to bow to him. They have to honor him. He has the chance to be really spiteful with his brothers, but instead he loves them and blesses them. He shows them grace and forgiveness. Joseph, he very well could have been bitter. He had every right and every chance to get his brothers back tenfold, but that is not what God calls him to do, and that is not what God calls us to do either. We need to love our enemies, bless them, and forgive them, and this is a really hard thing to do. Maybe that's part of the reason Joseph was in slavery so long. Maybe God really needed to work on his heart so he could forgive in this moment. 
God prepared a table for Joseph in the presence of his enemies, and he does the same for us, but I'm not sure we get to sit at that table until our hearts are prepared to forgive our enemies. Let that sink in for a minute. The Bible is very clear that a man reaps what he sows. People who have wronged you, they will reap, but let God handle them. Take your thoughts captive. Set your mind on things above. Focus on God and just let him handle it. Let him prepare the table. Stop trying to prepare the table in your own strength. Lean into God. Spend more time with him. Grow in him. Let God prepare your heart so you can sit at the table he's prepared for you. That is my ending on my Joseph notes. I'll let Amy take over. Oh, that's so good. So um, the hard prepares us. I don't know if you guys caught that when Anna said that, but Joseph had hard, let's just say hard, and it prepared every single moment. I think this entire time that we've just, these three weeks we've gone through Genesis, I feel like that's the theme. The, the cycles were continuing. There was sin, the original sin, Adam and Eve, it continued. Sarah and Hagar, um, then we go to Abraham. It was a circle, but the hard things are what allowed the story to keep going. Even though we don't want hard in our life, the hard is almost what prepares us. Not almost what, it is what prepares us, but the hard is what makes our story complete sometimes, even though we don't want it because it's hard Mm. and it's hard, right? And, but if we didn't have hard, we wouldn't have our story, you know? And so I think we need to really sometimes just sit with the hard. Um, (laughs) I think Anna and I just last night texted, not think, I know. I said, you know, we were talking about wanting to do uh, like a book study together. And we both just laughed at that. I think the laugh- <laughs> As and I we said, said it, I laughed. I, right. said, I said, didn't we try to do this several years ago? And I said, maybe dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe we tried to have time to do this together. But you know what the answer was? And I, I really felt this in the spirit. You know what? We know how to pray for each other. And that is so important. So don't beat yourself up with not having enough time to possibly do or do or do. But the point is, is we can pray our way through the hard. We can pray our way through the yes. great. We can pray our way through it all. But remember, you can't do it alone, right? We need a buddy. All right. Let me hop into Matthew 12. Okay. I'm going to start Matthew 12. I go Matthew 12 to 15. And then the 15 and in, in chapter 15, we go verses 1 to 20 today. So, oh boy. So Matthew is so great. I just love him. Um, I just love this whole book. Um, and I love how the gospels just kind of repeat themselves. And I want to kind of plug this in right here that the gospels, the stories repeat themselves and there there's a lot of similarities in what is talked about in the gospels of the new Testament. And I think that's important to point out that when the Lord repeats it, when we are repeating, when Jesus words are being repeated in red letters, if you have a red letter Bible, um, that means that they're supposed to sink in. And so um, he gives us multiple opportunities. All right. So 12, so Matthew 12, you know, I, I like when I read through this again, I, I just kept getting a summary here um, in, in the whole book of, or in the whole chapter of um, the whole 
chapter of 12 in Matthew, I just kept getting Jesus just remained humble. And, you know, he had so much weighing on him. If you, when you read through, you know, the Sabbath and then being the servant and then house divided, I mean, division comes when we let the Lord in and he was fighting Satan, but he remained humble. Like he, he just continued to be humble. Um, verse 12, 12, 28 says, if I drive out the demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon us. He was humble. So he's saying, you know what? Fear go evil go. If I drive out that demon, if I drive out that spirit of ugly, but humbly he had to remain in prayer because he was, he, he had so much weighing on him. And then we go down to verse 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and the fruit will be bad. I'm thinking, whoa, okay. So if I sow good things today, I'm good. I'm going to grow a good tree. But if I sow bad things today, I'm going to grow a bad tree. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. So I think the message here that I want to share is that Jesus was humble. And so do we need to be this way. You know, the hard is going to come. We just talked about that. The easy is going to come. The beautiful is going to come. The revelations are going to come. But the truth is, is in humility is where we are still praying through it. Even though we don't have a solution, the plan is there. God knows the plan, but the solution is prayer. The solution is just being able to drive that demon out and remain humble as Jesus did right here. We want our trees to be good, friends. Like we we don't want a bad tree, right? A bad trees are ugly. Like the trees that are in the woods that are dead, like they're just ugly and they're just not happy looking. And we don't want that. And then verse 37 says, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, or you will be condemned. And Anna just spoke about that. Speak less, friends. Like <laughs> sometimes our human words just want to just dig a hole deeper and make our tree uglier. Okay. Enough on that. I got to jump to Jonah. So this is not an accident, you guys. So at time of recording of this, um, because we're working so far ahead, understand, we're in the end of our current reading plan. And I read, we read Jonah today. And by the time of this recording, I just finished reading Jonah like 30 minutes prior to getting on with Anna this morning. And, oh, and by the way, I've been asked this question a couple of times. Anna and I are not in the same room with one another, just so you guys know. It's funny. I don't know if people have asked you that, Anna. I don't know why this just came to me, but somebody was asking me if we were in the same room, like, how do we, you know, how are we planning getting together and that kind of stuff? But yeah, we're not in the same room, y'all. <laughs> how so are we know. planning getting together when we haven't probably even seen each other in, oh, I a year. Know. I don't, I probably a year. If not longer, if not longer, for real. I mean, it's yeah. We no, we are not even in the same room. We record from our phones as we have time. We don't have anything fancy. This is just real life. It is, and some so many people have asked us like, like I want to know like where you and like well, we're not even in the same room with one another. And I'm serious. It has been, a, we, so Anna and I live very close to one another, 
but we never cross paths. And there's a lot of, I, we use her vehicle in her driveway as the drop-off location. So I drop in, <laughs> drop it off, leave love notes to her, leave Bibles for her and leave. And then she texts. Yeah. It's, you, you guys, know, it's we don't even have, we don't even bump into each other at the post office. Nope. And we live in a very small town. We both live out, but the little tiny, tiny, tiny town we go to for a post office, we don't even bump into each nope. other there. No, it's crazy. So just know that you can have a buddy like this. And I feel so intimate with her. Like we're best friends. And yeah. it, it's, it's crazy. So I don't know why I just plugged that in, but I don't know. Back to Jonah, y'all for real back to Jonah. Jonah's really near to my heart. So it's about an hour ago. I read, we read, um, the whole book of Jonah in one day, which, oh my goodness. So Jonah. So I just want you guys to point out to this. So Jonah, literally heard the Lord speak. And this is not really in 12, but I'm going to kind of summarize it here. Jonah heard the Lord speak to him and Jonah intentionally disregarded what the Lord said and went the other way. And that is quoted. That is exactly what the verse says. I think it's verse three in Jonah one. It says he heard the Lord and turned and went the other way. Okay. Jonah disregarded the Lord. Okay. The sea is raging. The, they throw, he, Jonah gets thrown in the sea. The fish swallows Jonah. I want you guys to understand this. The fish swallowed Jonah up. So he did not die. So I want this analogy for us to be, what are we being swallowed up by that is actually saving our life today? Like, Mm -hmm. What is, what is being taken from us? Or are we in the fit, the belly of a fish for three days and three nights like Jonah, but the Lord is, was protecting Jonah and he's protecting you today. When he's swallowing you away, he is protecting you. He put Paul in prison. Paul would have been killed for sharing the gospel. He put him in prison. Like Something greater was so much bigger here. Something so much bigger was in store. But remember, Jonah had to be in the belly of a fish. So put yourself in the belly of the fish today and ask yourself, what is the Lord saving me from? It's crazy. All right. 13, the parable of the sower. So back in our question and answer, you guys know that my favorite, my favorite, um, season is spring because that is when I plant my garden. That is when I pray over my dirt, my seeds for me to be able to feed my family. Because last night we had a pretty much a fully homegrown meal, which included multiple vegetables that I had preserved from the, from the, my summer growth. And so spring is very important to me. And so is chapter 13 of Matthew, because it's all about sowing seeds well. And 13, let's see, um, I guess like three through nine-ish, he talks about God's, or Jesus is speaking about um, the different types of ground that seeds are sown on. So the path, and we want to just say, 
the path is probably like a concrete path. It doesn't really, I'm reading today, my CSB, mine and Anna's sister Bibles is what I do my studying out of for this podcast. And it doesn't like specifically say what kind of path, but if we think of a path, we think of like maybe your sidewalk to your house. So it's probably some type of rock or hard surface. So if you sow seeds on the path, the birds came and devoured them, obviously, right? Because they were sitting on top. The next one was very rocky soil. So rocky soil, the um, roots can't go deep. So I live in the woods and I can tell you that the roots here are very spread out. They're not deep. So if we had tons of rain a couple of days ago and then we had multiple trees fall yesterday, which we had to clean up through the day because the roots aren't real deep. So they're kind of easy to be pushed over a little bit, even the old even the old trees that have been here for hundreds of years. So when it's rocky soil, the roots aren't deep. And also the, the sun kind of wants to dry them out. You know, if the sun is really scorching, so they kind of get scorched. So think like fire, think burn, you know, on that one. And then thorns. So there were seeds in, in 13, Matthew 13, they talk about the sower sowing seeds in thorny bushes. So think of thorns. We, we stay away from them because they're thorny and they stick us. Well, they choke out the seeds. So think about where you're sowing your seeds. Okay. What kind of soil do we want? My garden, I want it cover cropped. I want deep roots. I want lack of weeds. Um, I want to get the weeds out of my seeds in order to let my vegetables grow well that last night in the middle of winter, as it's 22 degrees outside, we're eating vegetable garden food because I got the weed out of the seeds and I stayed in the presence of the Lord as I was tending my ground. I don't till my ground anymore. And I think this is a really good analogy too. I don't till at all. I allow my soil to stay rich. I don't dig up the past. Okay. I don't take my tiller anymore. After many years of doing this, like 12 plus years of gardening like this, I don't dig the past up. I don't dig the old stuff out of the dirt. I let my new dirt get stronger every year. And I think that's a good analogy here to share, oh, right? I don't dig it up anymore. I used to dig it all up. And guess what I brought back to the top? Kind of that yucky stuff that I tried to get rid of 10 years ago. But now I keep my soil where I don't dig it. I don't dig up the past. I've Let's look at the soil. I've repented the past. I've repented my past soil and said, rest deep. Okay, but I've put good on top of all of it. Think about that. Even in your heart, think about that. Don't keep digging. Don't keep digging. Just repent of it and know that God is going to deliver you and pray to Jesus that in Jesus name it will go and your soil will get richer. Um, the mustard seed. So at some point when Anna and I find all of our dreams, so we, we've decided to start brain dumping on all of our dreams. And one of our dreams um, is going to end up being merch and selling things that come to our heart. And I can assure you guys, I will sell mustard seed necklaces one day for God is in the minute. Okay. Just so you know, to come, to come. Okay. This is all new to us. So we're still brain dumping, but mustard seeds um, necklaces are really important to me. I have one. I wear one. Because think about the mustard seed. It's so, so teeny. But in verses 31 um, 
to 33, it talks about the mustard seed was planted and it grew so big that the birds were able to hide from the prey in it. That's how big the tree was. So this little seed protected the birds and from the prey. So what, what can you plant that's going to protect you? All right. I got to, I got to get moving here. Um, let's see, tons, tons, tons and tons of good stuff in 13. Um, in 14, um, you know, not the greatest heading. Okay. Where, hold on, let me back up just a little bit. Oh, the netting. Oh yeah. I don't want to skip over this. The parable of the net. Oh yeah. I don't want to skip this guys. Um, 1248, that net that we're talking about. So the net gathered the good fish and let the ugly fish go. Like, I want you guys to think about your net. Like, what are you letting fall through your net? And what are you keeping at the top? Like, what hard things are you keeping that are preparing you for better? Like, think about your, just think about a net, okay? And just place yourself on the net. And I want you to let yourself get like sifted through the net today. Okay, just like sift through and see, because verse 48 says gathered the net gathered the good fish into containers, but threw out the worthless ones. So I think we can take that and run. All right. Now to 14, John the Baptist beheaded. I, let's like we won't dwell there. Um, what I do want to say um, just don't be offended. Just don't be swayed by things like this because it's all there for a purpose. Um, 14. Um, verse 13, ver I'm sorry, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to summarize it like this. In order to have abundance, Jesus had to physically break the bread. So he, it wouldn't have been abundant if he hadn't broken it. So we break. Remember, the hard things help us. We break in order to be abundant. And I think mm -hmm. that is so good. Right. Let's just live there. Right. Um, and, oh yeah. And the abundance from the breaking had leftovers. So you, the bread had more to give. So when you're on your high, you figure out you don't have enough because right. They were on high and they needed more. So Jesus took the bread. So we're on high. Jesus took the bread we take our situation and we break because it's just, we can't handle it anymore. We just can't tan handle it anymore. So the bread broke, physically broke. The abundance was given. They fed everybody and everyone was satisfied of the 5,000. They had 12 baskets, but the abundance had left over. You have more to give because of your breaking. You have more to give because of your breaking. So what are you going to do with your leftovers? Um, walking on water, Jesus walks on water, 22 to 32. Um, what I want to tell you here is, um, so they were doubting, um, of course, um, <laughs> Peter was doubting. I mean, if you, if you really are the sort of the Lord of gods, can you make me come to you on this water? Well, what did he say? Have courage. Don't be afraid. Command that I come to you, Peter says. And Jesus says, what? Come come. So we need to go, just go. And then chapter 15, I read to 20 today. Um, this one here, um, I, Anna talked about this and I think this is not never a coincidence that this comes up right when we're wrapping up today that we really, verse eight, 15, eight says this people, 
honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrine, who, doctrines, human commands. We need to speak well, y'all. We have got to speak well. Isaiah prophesies that this they would be in hypocrisy. We need to speak well. And yesterday, I say yesterday, I'm sorry, because we recorded it yesterday, but last week when we talked about labeling, right, Jacob was labeled and delivery basically of his brother Esau and him, right? He was labeled. He was labeled as clinging. He was labeled as hanging on. Esau was labeled as furry. I mean, I don't want to be called furry y'all. Like I don't, I also don't want to be called clinging to the heels of his brother, how we label things matters. And Isaiah prophesies that we're going to be hypocrisy, be hypocrites with our words. And verse eight says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I think we need to remember, we have to speak wise and well, and how we label things in our life matters. If we feel like our life is falling apart and we speak that over us, we claim that and we own that. But when I speak life over us and I speak that the spirit of fear, the spirit of offense, the spirits are going to go in Jesus name. When we declare that and label our life over that, that's life versus death, you guys. And that is where we want to be. We want to declare that we are living this life to the fullest, to God's glory all day long. Because when we label it as fear, when we label it as hard, I don't like the word hard. I like the word work. Because when we work, we get, we get, I don't want to say repaid, but we get, we get, we get repaid. We get paid, right? You get a paycheck. Okay. You get, you get rewarded, but when it's hard, we have to dig so deep and it is hard and your reward though, there is the Lord. And I think that it's life versus death on how we and how we react to this and your lips matter and your labels on your life matter. And that is what I have for you all today. That was so good. One thing I would say there's two things out of all that reading that just really, really grabbed me. Um, the feeding of the 5,000. It's so good. Everything you said for that is so good. You know, when we put what we have in God's hands, he multiplies it. So put it in God's hands, leave it to God, bring it to him in prayer. Let him multiply it. Let him do that. You have to go to him. You have to daily encounter with him for him to multiply. I also think something that sticks out to me is in the beginning of that little passage, it says when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from them and went to a place alone. So mm -hmm. seeking solitude was very important to Jesus. He made room in his very busy schedule to be alone with God. We need to develop a discipline of spending time alone with God. And when you do, don't do all the talking. Be quiet and listen to what he has to say. There have been times I've been in a quiet place in my prayer time, really seeking the Lord in a place alone really having this designated moment. And I have literally heard God say, be quiet, be quiet and listen to me. And I'll just sit there in stillness and quietness. And I sometimes just receive a word from him or a peace or a deliverance, whatever it is. But there are times when God has literally told me, be quiet, stop talking. 
like mm-hmm. hear me and we all need to do that the the next thing that gets me is directly after that walking on the water guys jesus walks on what we drown in mm-hmm. plain and simple he walks on what we drown in whatever you think is taking you under you can't keep your head above water guess what put your eyes on jesus and you're going to walk on that water. Another thing that sticks out to me on the walking on the water is don't stay in the boat when God is calling you to walk on water. When God calls you to do something that seems impossible or very dangerous, do not stay in the boat. Get out and walk on the water, but you will drown if your eyes are not on him. So whatever God's called you to do, focus, set your mind on things above. Don't take your eyes off of him. The second Peter's eyes got came off of Jesus, he started to drown. The same thing's going to happen in your life. The second you start to backslide, the second you start to say, oh, I just don't have the time or I've fallen too far, far behind in my reading. Get up, put your eyes back on Jesus. If that's where you are right now, focus on him. This is our word this year. Focus on him. He walks on what you drown in. You cannot stay in the boat when he's calling you to walk on water. You need to step out. Do you really want to live in that boat wondering what if I did? Or do you want to step on the water with your eyes on him, walking by faith and not by sight? Amen. So good. As you're writing, as you're saying all that, I'm, I'm writing those notes down. Okay. I stole your words. <laughs> I love it. Stole your words. <laughs> I would have been writing yours. But in this Bible, in Matthew, I wrote insanely tiny, and I have no room for anything anywhere. It's okay. Those are the words that you're supposed to have in front of you, and those are the ones that make a difference, for sure. Those ones that are old, oldie but goodies, right? That's what I say. Um, I am elated to do week three with you guys. This was awesome. These were such good words. Um, Just... Um, just, just now jump in, jump in, jump in. We just want you to jump in. We're going to keep you kind of going and we're going to keep you up to par. So if you miss a few days, do not, do not get down, just keep going. And we will be so excited to do week four with you next week. Yes, absolutely. We cannot wait. Thank you so much for listening. And we find, find us on social media. Um, just search for us. We're there. Um, share, 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 and grab a buddy. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great time. Bye-bye.